The following is a presentation of Remnant. Hi, this is Jerry from Remnant. Let's be honest, this life can be hectic, draining, and downright confusing. My hope is that by listening to this message, your life can be impacted by God's great love for you. And His love will give you wisdom, courage, and strength. Thanks for listening. You're listening to a message from Pastor Jerry Godsey. Going to uh, going to talk about pressure today. I don't know about you, but every now and then my family feels a little bit of pressure. Sometimes we feel a lot of pressure. So what do you do? How do you handle pressure? Here's all the social media stuff for today. At Jerry Godsey, hashtag Imperfect Family Series, hashtag Under Pressure. We should get a lot of David Bowie comments for that. And at Remnant Church, again, please use your social media throughout the message. Let's pray. God, thanks. Father, for today, for a chance for us to concentrate on you this morning. God, we have so many things that are, are pushing and pressing in on our families today. God, I pray that this morning you would give us some tools to help us learn how to handle those things. Thanks, God. Lord, let the, the words of my mouth be from you, God. Thanks. Basket in your name. Amen. The Old Testament, there's a man named Job. It's not Job, although it's spelled the same way. Job. And he is a righteous man. Everything's going great for Job. And the devil comes to the Lord and says, you know, nobody cares about you. Nobody thinks. And the Lord said, wait a second, what about my servant Job? He goes, well, yeah, you've blessed him with lands and children and family and friends. If you took all of that away, he would deny you. And God said, no, he won't. You don't know Job. And so the devil says, okay, let's find out. God says, great, but the only thing he can't do is take his life. And, he lost, and Job lost everything. He lost his kids. He lost his land. He didn't lose his wife. A blessing Job did not pray for. <laughs> and you'll see why in a minute. Uh, his wife, not, uh, not the most spiritual woman in the world. And here's the worst part. Job doesn't know why any of this is happening. Job is just like, this is like the worst run of bad luck in the world. This place blows. And so Job had his moments where he doubted and where he wondered. And imagine the pressure that Job felt. He got, he got stricken with boils. You ever had a boil? He didn't have one. He had them all over his body. That, that's just a bad day. That's when you start thinking, of, maybe that suicide thing's not so bad. But Job didn't do it. But look at Job 23, verse 1. Then Job spoke again. He's talking to his friends, and his friends are telling, you know, there must be sin in your life. There must be something wrong with you. Ever have friend like, friends like that? Friends that are not really friends. They're just people that accuse you and do it in a friendly tone. Job spoke again. My complaint today is still a bitter one, and I try hard not to, gro to groan aloud. 
If I only knew where to find God, I would go to his court. I would lay out my case and present my arguments. Then I would listen to his reply and understand what he says to me. Would he use his great power to argue with me? No, he would give me a fair hearing. Honest people can reason with him. So I would, go forever, so I would be forever acquitted by my judge. I go east, but he's not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. Sounds pretty desperate so far, doesn't it? I've looked all over, I can't find God. Look at verse 10. But he knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. Job understood what was going on. I heard the story about a, a dog that fell into a dry well. He's out at the bottom, he's yapping like crazy, and a farmer comes by, and he has pity on the dog, and he's trying to figure out a way to get him out, so he starts shoveling dirt down into the hole. Now, if you're the dog, your first thought, somebody starts shoveling dirt on your head, you're in the bottom of the well, your first thought is, he's trying to kill me. He's going to bury me in this well. He hates dogs. He's a cat person. <laughs> so he keeps shoveling dirt in this well, and the dog finally catches on because as the dirt piles up, the dog just keeps jumping up on the, on the dirt. And eventually, the well is full and the dog walks out. See, all of us have dirt poured on us. All of us have pressures that are pushing on us and we think they're going to do us in. We're in the bottom of the well and some idiot is throwing dirt on us. But... That may just be our rescue. That may be our way out. Not everything that goes bad in your life is bad. Let me say that again for you, because some of you are like, what'd you say, Willis? Not everything bad that happens in your life is bad. In fact, if you learn from the bad things that happen to you, you are that much better off than the people who are, who are just destined to keep doing the same thing over and over again. You ever wondered why God would let you go through troubles? I mean, think about it. God is, is, is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing. And if he looked down, and if you had a hangnail, he could say, well, make that hangnail go away, and your hangnail would be gone. If you're having financial troubles, he could give you a million dollars and everything would be great. So why doesn't he? Why does God let us go through things? You ever wonder that? What is, I got some questions when I get to heaven. You know, God, why cockroaches? What are you thinking? God, why was I so good looking and yet so poor? And you all laughed at that, and that, that's, that's disheartening. Not a one of you said, that is a good question, Jerry. No, you all laughed. I'm going home. Why do we have to go through suffering? Why, why does God let us go through pain? Well, there's a couple of reasons, maybe. First of all, we suffer because of the nature of sin. Sin makes marks on us. Sin makes us suffer. When we sin, suffering happens. We had a wedding up at the ranch yesterday. 
and I got a text from him on, on Friday. Can we put some obscure holes, their word, obscure holes in the wood? No. Because there's no such thing as an obscure hole. A hole's a hole. And then I saw where they wanted to put the holes, and I thought, no, you dumb bunny, you can't do that. We want to hang lights. Duct tape works wonders. But you're not putting holes in the wood just so you can have pretty lights. They had a wedding in the parking lot. So many pretty places at the ranch. It's beautiful up there. And they got married in the parking lot. I hope you're not watching, but if you are, I still think it's a dumb idea. They had a beautiful, beautiful view of the prison grounds that are just south of us. That way my Uncle Bob can watch. I don't know. I don't know what was going on. But Second reason, we suffer so that our character might be built up in the Lord. <clears throat> Now, I will tell you that everything you suffer has the opportunity to help you learn to grow in the Lord. Has the opportunity. Whether you grow from it or not is up to you. Or whether you just put your head down and mumble and complain, Oh, God hates me. God doesn't hate you, you'd be dead. God loves you. And every now and then, he's willing to take his hands off and say, Okay. You need to learn something. You ever do that with your kids? Dad, I think I can jump off the roof. Nah, you really can't. No, it'll be okay. All right. You get out your phone, you dial 9-1 and wait to hit that last one because you know you're going to need it eventually here. Third, and we don't think about this much, we might suffer because God is showcasing us to Satan like he did with Job. Maybe you're going through something so that God can use you as an example to other people. Here is how a person who's doing it right handles suffering. And every one of us had the same thought right then. Lord, please don't bless me in this way. Lord, please, I don't want to be a blessing to anybody if I have to suffer to do it. So if you're going through it, if you're having a rough time, and if you're not having a rough time right now, you're going to be soon. There's a happy thought. Thank you, Pastor Jerry. I know your life is fine now, but it's going to suck in two weeks. But isn't that the way it is? Don't we, don't we go from valley to hilltop, from valley to hilltop, from valley to hilltop? So if you're going through a rough spot right now, this is for you. And if you're not going through a rough spot, when you go through it, this is for you. The first thing you need to know is that God never leaves us. It's easy to feel that way, though, isn't it? We get that pity party. Oh, what's wrong? How come God left me alone? God stranded me here. Shut up. I'm really not supposed to say that, am I? Like that. Look at Hebrews 13.5. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you had For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. When we go through trials, we go through tough times, it's easy for us to think that God has forgotten all about us. Really? So let me me get this straight. 
your life is so important that the God of the universe is going to totally abandon his promises, his word, and his very nature just to leave you twisting in the wind. How important do you think you are? We don't think about it that way, do we? We think about it, well, you know, I'm the only one that's ever gone through this trouble. Eh, You and about a million other people. Right? Said it before, you got problems, I got problems, all good children got problems. So what do you do about it? God is always there, even when it seems he's abandoned you. Just because you don't think he's there, doesn't mean he's not there. Just because you can't see the immediate answer to your problems, doesn't mean God isn't answering your problems. He just may not be doing it the way you want. See, God is the creator of the universe. I'm the guy who got a D in geometry. Who do you think has a little more going on? The trouble strikes, what do we do? We go to God in a panic, and we ask God for help, and then we try to fix the problem without waiting for his help. And what do we do? 99.9% of the time, we make it worse. Have you ever, in a panic, fixed something and had it go right? Once in a while. Every great once in a while, something happens. But most of the time, you just make it worse. Because you're in a panic, you're stressed, you're in a hurry, you're trying to fix things. It doesn't work that way. A lot of us think that we go to, we go to God in prayer, and as soon as we say amen, God's going to fix everything. If that was the case, we would all be spoiled little brats. You ever seen a kid whose parents give him everything? It's horrible. I want that. What you want is one of these. I'm going to give you the right hand of fellowship. See kids at the store. Mom, 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 mom. Look, the third mom after that's a death sentence. It's just like, she's going to kill you. It's going to happen now. And, the, and, and they just keep asking, but I want that, mom. No, honey, it's too much. We don't have that money. But I want it. Then you see the parents actually do this. Well, I guess we can put back the milk. No. Just tell him, be quiet, or I'll kill you and make another one look just like you. I don't think you're allowed to say that out loud. I just think they need to know that's a possibility. We need to wait for God's help in solving our problem. The problem with waiting for God's help is that we also have to suffer while we're waiting. Don't you wish that God would would just say, okay, it's going to take me a month to fix this. Say, okay, great, God, I'll wait a month, but I don't want to suffer during that month. Isn't that the same thing? It's the suffering that draws us close to God. And I am not going to lie to you. I'm not one of those TV evangelist preachers. If you come to Jesus, all of your your life will be perfect and nothing bad will happen to you. 
If anybody ever tells you that, they're lying. Because we grow during the rough stuff. We grow when life is hard. We grow when we suffer. David experienced the feeling of isolation from God when he was running from Saul. He was running because Saul wanted to kill him. Psalm 13.1, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? Job said in Job 23.3, If I only knew where to find God, I would go to his court. Job had lost all of his friends, all of his wealth, everything else he had in life except for his wife. The wife who said, you know what, just curse God and die. Great spiritual woman that she was. Went through all of that, all of that suffering, all of that pain, physical suffering, everything. But Job said in verse 10, again, 23.10, he knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. Job knew that when the trials were over, he would shine. Job knew that when the trials were over, God would reward him. Why? Because that's God's way. That when we come through the suffering, we're refined. They talk a lot about the refiner's fire. Gold, when you mine it, is full of impurities. It's, it's rocks, all kinds of stuff. You know how they make pure gold? They set fire to it, and they melt it. And it burns away all that impurity. If you get a, a, a piece of wood from the lumber store and you're going to make a plaque or something out of it, you have to sand it. You have to sand off all the rough edges. You have to sand away all the roughness. And I, get, I bet if you ask the piece of wood if it enjoyed the process of being sanded, it would say, no, it hurts. I've hit myself with sandpaper. I know, it hurts. But the finished product is more beautiful than what it started with. And when you go through those times when you're broken, God makes you more beautiful. Don't, don't feel bad about going through rough times. Look ahead to what God's going to do with you when you're done. I'm going to share something with you that you need to understand. God is with you right now. Right now. Some of you are going through it. You drove here today and all you could think of were your problems. God is with you right now. But I don't feel him. Whose fault is that? And just because you don't feel him, just because you don't see him doing something, doesn't mean he's not. It may be time for you to suffer and and. Get as close to God as you can during that time. Because the first thing we do when we feel like we're going through it, we all want to leave God. Why would you leave the place that ha- where your help comes from? Well, you know, I know AAA is coming to fix my car, but uh, I called them and said I'd be here, but I'm just going to keep driving and maybe they'll catch up with me. Well, here's an idea, Sparky. Just park your car there and wait for, wait for AAA to show up. You want to hit a moving target. There's something to be said for being still. There's something to be said for resting in God and knowing that God's in control. And you've got to settle that in your heart. 
Is God in control of your life or are you in control? If you're in control, you are hosed. If God's in control, you're going to be okay. But you have to decide that. God loves us. Even during the bad times, God is still loving us. 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Maybe that God has a reason for you to go through what you're going through. Does that make it easy? Yes and no. Let's be honest, right? You're still suffering. Suffering is suffering. But if you know it's only for a time, if you know that God is, is going to stay with you the whole time, if you know that you'll be better when it's all over with, then it's better. It's easier. Don't fight against the things you're going through. Let God take you through them. But the more you struggle, the more you fight, the harder it is for God to help you. Be still and know I'm God, he said. Second thing you need to know, well, I hate this part. God's timing is perfect. Never early, never late. Job 23, 8, 9 again. I go east, but he's not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I don't see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. What happens when we have a bad time? We want it to go away. We want God to take care of it right this minute. But that's not the way God works. Because God knows what's best for your life. I've been dealing with a couple of issues over the last couple of years. And I, I kept praying and asking God to fix it. And it wasn't getting fixed. And I, it really started to mess with me for a little bit. Well, wait a second, God. I'm, I'm sincere. I want you to fix this. I want you to take care of this. And you know what I realized a while ago? If God had taken care of it, I wouldn't have learned what I needed to learn. In fact, if God had fixed it when I first asked, I would have messed it up all over again. See, the failure was mine. God was perfect. And God is fixing it, but it's not fixed. God is in the process, but it's not fixed. And you know what else? I'm not fixed yet either. God's fixing me. God's working on me. God's changing me little by little, but I'm not where I ought to be. And I look back over that, well, God, why didn't you teach me that earlier? Why didn't you teach me this a, you know, a couple of years, 10 years ago? You know what the weak link in the chain was? Me. I was the reason God couldn't fix it earlier. I was the reason that God didn't make everything go away and be fine all over again. I needed to change. And I think, well, God, you know, I'm the same guy I was a year ago. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. In fact, I will tell you that I thank God that I've gone through the things I've gone through. Which sounds really weird. 
because it hurts so bad. But I thank God for what I've gone through because it's changing me. It's making me better. See, and I know as a pastor, I'm supposed to project this air that I've got everything together and I'm 100% and you guys are all a bunch of sinners and if you'll just follow me, I'll do okay. You'll do okay. You know what? Man, we are all in this together. Every one of us, we walk through this all together. I had to go through the tough time to change me. I had to let God just go through it. Let me go through it so that I would change. Otherwise, I would not have been motivated to change. Just a few weeks ago, I preached on the story of Lazarus. His sisters, Jesus' good friend Lazarus, Mary and Martha, his sister, send word to Jesus, hey, he's real sick, come here and pray with him. And Jesus just decides to hang out for a couple of days and then go. And while they're on the road, they find out that Lazarus is dead. And when he gets on scene, they, uh, you know, Mary and Martha, they're pretty sure Jesus was late. You know, if you'd been here a couple of days ago, he'd still be alive. Jesus knew what he was doing. And he asked them an important question. Do you believe that I'm who I say I am? Do you believe that I have the power over life and death? See, and they, they had no trouble believing that Jesus could heal Lazarus before he died. They had no trouble believing that Lazarus was going to rise again at the very last day like everybody else. What they had trouble with was believing that Lazarus was going to be okay right now. And that's when Jesus went to the tomb and said, Lazarus, come on out. Come on out. See, the timing was perfect. Because Lazarus being healed would have been one thing. Lazarus being raised from the dead? Man, that's huge. Remember, God is focused on what's best for us eternally and we are focused on what's best for us instantly. God is focused on what's best for us forever. We want what's best for us now. And you know what? What's best for us eternally is best for us right now. We just don't have the perspective of God. We look at our lives and we look at the things we're going through and we say, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? And I, I love the story I heard years ago of, you know those, those big tapestries, the woven tapestries? They're beautiful. You look at the front and it's all with thread and it's, they've, they've woven these things and they're beautiful. So you look at the front of the picture and you think, man, that's gorgeous. You ever look at the back of a tapestry? It's craziness. There's just strings all over the place. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't look like anything. Our lives, we're looking at the strings. God is looking at the other side, and he sees the beautiful picture. Just remember that. When you feel like you're going through it, you're just looking at strings. God's looking at eternity and what's going on in your life. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. 
We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Anybody here rejoice? Oh, good. Something bad's happening. That's great. I'm not quite there yet. Usually we say that after it's all over with. Hey, I'm glad I went through that. At the time, not so much. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our, our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So look at the, look at the progression again. We run into problems and trials. And we, know we, should, we should be thankful for that because that helps us develop endurance. In for the long haul. You know, I've coached football for years. And Hell Week, the, la- the conditioning week right before, which, i got to be honest, I played football in L.A., then I moved down here my sophomore year of high school. Hell Week took on a whole new meaning. I didn't know you could have Hell Week in hell. <laughs> we did. Okay? And a lot of kids think, oh, I'm going to go play football. It'll be fun. A lot of them don't make it through Hell Week because all you're doing is running. You're running, you're doing belly bumpers, you're ugh, burpees, all kinds of weird stuff that just designed to build up their endurance. But if you don't make it through Hell Week, you're never going to last a whole season. You've got to go through it all. So, problems and trials help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. The book of James, James writes in James chapter 1, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Again, there's that whole rejoicing thing. Oh, good. My car died. That's great. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, I will tell you, there are times when we short-circuit God's plans because we work things out on our own. We have a need, and instead of watching God provide for us, we try to get other people to provide it for us. Are you with me? Because all we're doing then is we're learning that other people are our source, not God. Some of us never grow past that little infancy, that little baby step kind of place because we don't learn that every now and then falling is good for us. You ever watch a baby learn how to walk? It's hilarious. I firmly believe that's why God let them be in diapers for the first you know, couple of years because they need a soft place to land. But understand, physiologically walking is taking a step and falling. When you step forward, you're falling forward and your foot catches you. And falling to the ground is part of that process because you learn how to balance. You learn how to make sure that foot's going to be there and catch you. We have parents now that take their kids to the, to the doctor the first time they get a sniffle. 
Emergency room, he's got a sniffle. You know what they, honestly, I read a report that said that children aren't, are, are being more and more where they can't fight off infections because they never let them have a chance to fight off infections. They take them to the doctor all the time. Now, I mean, if your kid's broken his arm, you probably ought to take him to the doctor. But if Junior has the sniffles, let his body fight it for a while. See, our suffering is uncomfortable, but it's for our own good. Sometimes we suffer because we're stupid. Pastor. If you do something and you know it's wrong and you do it anyway and then you suffer for it, really, you think that's God's fault? Oh, Father, I don't know why I'm suffering so. And if I was God, and it's a good thing I'm not, you would get that, you know, that bellowing voice from heaven, it's because you're dumb. Not very uplifting, Lord. No, but it's true. You ever watch those time-lapse things of a butterfly that's coming out of a cocoon? And it takes forever, and they're beating through, and they're doing all these things. So this little boy had seen a, that, that film, and he goes over, to the, and he sees the butterfly, and he says, okay, I'm going to help the butterfly. So he opens the cocoon for the butterfly. When the butterfly comes out, he can't fly. Because it's during the process of opening the cocoon that his wings become hard enough and strong enough for him to fly. Some of you guys are so good at opening your cocoon, you don't know if you can fly or not. Some of you are so good at short-circuiting God's way of doing things that you've just never grown. See, the hard thing of going through the cocoon was was for the butterfly's benefit, not his harm. Without our struggles, we cannot realize our purpose in the kingdom of God. If you don't learn to suffer, or how to keep your music stand up, I guess I'll leave it there. If you don't learn how to suffer, you'll never be what God wants you to be. Ever. Because it's through all of that that God teaches us. It's through all of that that God grows us. And there's a part of me that wishes I could tell you it's differently. There's a part of me that wishes I could say, well, you know what? You don't really have to suffer. God will take care of you anyway. But that's not true. Because God is taking care of you by letting you suffer. When you think, oh, good. Thank you, Pastor Jerry. Got any more uplifting statements for us? It broke this thing. I feel better now. Sometimes our struggles seem more than we can bear. But you must remember that during our struggles, number three, we must remain faithful. See, if you constantly bail out on God every time you go through a a weak point, you're not being faithful. And you don't grow. I, I actually, I, in fact, I, I had this conversation this morning. 
I had a guy tell me one time, one of our deputies, I've, had, I've got 20 years experience. I said, no, you don't. You got one year experience 20 times. Because you never learn from your mistakes. If you learn from your mistakes, you grow. You ever hit your hand with a hammer and think, I really shouldn't do that again. If you hit your hand with a hammer and you think, oh, that felt good, I'll do it again, there's something wrong with you. And you know what I've learned? You know what I've learned about using a hammer? Don't. You come over to my house, you see something I've put together, it's all screw gun, man. Screw. Very rarely have to hit myself with a screw gun. If you had been Job, what would you have done? You've lost all your family, except your wife. Not a blessing. You've lost all your wealth. You've been struck down with disease. Your wife's telling you to shut up and die and get it over with. See, it would be really easy to sit back and blame God. And in one respect, he'd be right. It was God's fault. It was. Right? God said, look at Job. But see, God had faith in Job. God trusted Job to grow through his time of hardship. What did Job do? He didn't curse God and die, contrary to what his wife wanted. He didn't give up. He fell to the ground and he worshiped. I will tell you that during the tough times, worship is so important. I don't mean singing. I mean worship. Because a lot of us will come on Sunday mornings and we'll sing. But worship is different. Worship is touching the heart of God. Worship is stepping into God's throne room saying, I'm here and I'm ready to receive from you. We sing a song. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Then when I was leading worship, I would look out and they would sing, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Really? You look like somebody stepped on your foot. You don't look like you have any joy. I, I, I sing a lot when I pray. In my, my private times with God, I don't know what the cows think, but I'm, as I'm driving through the ranch and I'm spending my time in prayer, I sing praises. I just, I, that's, that's my quiet time with me and God. And, and I don't want anybody messing with me during that time. That's me and God. I'll drive around. I'll sing at the top of my lungs. And it renews me. You can't doubt God when you tell him how great he is. You can't doubt God when you tell him how powerful he is. You can't doubt God when you're standing at his throne and worshiping him. You just can't. Hebrews 11.6 says, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now understand what faith is. Faith, we get this weird idea that faith is like stepping off the edge of the cliff. All right, it's going to be scary, but God will catch me. The Old Testament, when they talk about faith, what do they always say? The Old Testament, they would say, the God of our fathers, God of our father Abraham, 
Had many sons? Many sons? No. Okay. Some of you will get that later. But they always talked about what God had done in the past to prove that God will still do it today and in tomorrow. Understand, the faith that I have in God is hugely based on the fact that I know what God has done and that he doesn't change. Look back over your life at the blessings you've had, the places where God has spared you, the places where God has kept you from yourself or taken you through tough times. If God's taken you through one tough time and you lived, then he's going to take you through this one. That's faith. That's the essence of faith. Revelation 2, verse 9 Jesus tells the church, I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you're rich. Look, I know about your suffering. I know about the bad things you're going through, but you're rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they're Jews, but they're not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. That's a metaphorical time. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. If you remain faithful, even facing death. I love the story I found this week. An old man, an old preacher, he found that he had cancer and it was quickly going through his body. And this is from his last sermon. He says, some of you have asked me if I'm mad at God for this disease. I have nothing but love in my heart for the Father. He didn't do this to me. We live in a sinful world where sickness and death are the curse that mankind brought upon himself. For years I have taught how my Savior suffered and died. Am I better than him that I should ask not to suffer? I'm glad to suffer it if it means going home to Jesus. Please don't feel sorry for me, but rejoice with me. Then, in an old, broken voice, he recited this poem. It'll be on the board. Must Jesus bear the cross alone while all the world goes free? No. There's a cross for everyone. There's a cross for me. How happy the saints above who once went sorrowing here, but now they taste unmingled love and joy without a tear. That consecrated cross I'll bear till death shall set me free. And then go home, my crown to wear, for there is a crown for me. The last words of the last sermon he ever preached. He fell into a coma just after that service. And he got his crown a few days later. I want, I want that kind of strength under pressure. I want that kind of grace when things are going bad. If you're in your family today and your family's squabbling and you've got issues, you need that kind of grace under pressure. You need God to look down at your life. And you need to see what he sees. You need to know what he knows. And what he knows is that you're going to make this. If you're going through a storm in your family, in your home, in your personal right now, and here's the thing. 
If you're having odds with somebody, one of you is going through a storm. Maybe both of you at the same time. That's why Stephen Covey said, seek first to understand, then be understood. We're so busy trying to get our spouse to understand us that we forget that we need to understand them first. During the storm, I want you to remember three principles. Number one, God is walking beside us even when we can't see him. Two, God's timing is perfect even if it seems that he's slow. And third, during the worst of storms, God cherishes our faithfulness. Some of you, like I said, are walking through storms right now. Some of you are having a tough in your homes, your work, your personal life, your devotion time with God. You're struggling. But God wants more for you. Remember the flying Walendas? The tightrope people? First of all, no. Just no. We're going to open up the, 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 the rock wall when you guys come up to the ranch. No, I'm not climbing the rock wall. I like that scripture says, lo, I'm with you always. I, I'll stay on the ground. I'll help you go on the rock wall if you want, but I'm not going to. We have zip lines. Those aren't open to everybody, but those are, we have zip lines. No, if you ever see me on a zip line, call a cop. Because somebody's held a gun to my head. I'm not, to be, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. If you held a gun to Lynette's head, I'm not sure I'd go on the zip line. Sorry, babe. Got to watch out for me. I'm, I'm, I'm fat. I understand gravity. It's not a good thing to go together. One of the flying Walenda's special stunts was to use members of their family to make a four-level pyramid high atop a platform that they would then cross the tightrope with. So they weren't even doing this on solid ground. I mean, you see cheerleaders do that. They were on a platform way above the ground, and then they would try and do a tightrope out of that. They did it for years. Then one night, about three-quarters of the way across, one of the young men of the family was on the bottom row of the pyramid, and he yelled out, I cannot hold any longer. With that, his knee buckled and the entire family fell to the pavement below. Many were crippled for life and one actually died. All because the pressure was so much on one person that the entire world around him collapsed. Have you ever felt like that? You ever felt like you were under such pressure that you didn't know if you could keep going on? I got news for you. God's waiting for that moment. God's waiting for you to say, I can't do it anymore. Because that's when he steps in and shows his power. All the time you're fighting and trying to figure it out, do it on your own. My trouble that, troubles that I alluded to earlier, I, I tried to figure those things out on my own. I tried to work it. I, what I found out was I'm no match for God. As long as you're trying to fix it yourself, you will be in trouble. Give up. Let God have control. And for some of us, that's the hardest thing in the world to do. True story why I don't want to ride the zip line? Because I'm not in control. Same reason I don't want to do roller coasters. I don't want a roller coaster. 
They strap you in and you're just along for the ride. I can't, I can't drive it. I don't like airplanes for that reason. Guess who drives the motorhome when we go on vacation? Me. Because I'm not a good passenger. And then I'm, you know, that, that break on my side of the... People think, they're, they, people think I pass by people's house and they think I'm listening to rap music. No, it's just me pounding the brake on my side of the car. We need to let go. We need to stop. Quit trying to save yourself. Every lifeguard knows that the harder the person they're trying to save fights, the more danger it is for both of them. Let God do it. Tell God, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm toast without you here, God. Please, help me. Somewhere in your notes, if you've got your Bible, I want you to highlight this verse. Matthew. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. The burden I give you is light. I think it's actually Matthew chapter 11. I think my notes are wrong. One more time. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Isn't that amazing? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear. The burden I give you is light. He's talking about oxen that they used for so much work and they would put this, this collar, a yoke around their necks. And if you didn't load it just right, you could break the oxen down because the, lo- the yoke was too heavy. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm not going to burden you down to the point where you break. My yoke is easy. Why? Because I'm going to bear all the weight. If your family is hurting today, go to God. Go to God. If you're having issues in your personal life, go to God. Tell him, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of trying to make things happen. I'm tired of trying to make things work. God, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to take my hands off of it and see what happens. And watch what God does. But as long as you're trying to control it, it won't work. My iPad. If I give Steve my iPad, take my hands off of it, he can do whatever he wants with it. He could throw it like a Frisbee. He could change my apps all around, mess me up. But if I give it to him and hold on to this cover, just this corner of the cover, there's not a whole lot he can do with it. We give God our lives and we hold on to that one little corner. Okay, God, I'm going to give you my whole life, but, but I don't want to give up this relationship. God says, okay, can't do anything with you. Sorry. 
God, I'll give you everything, but I'm going to hold on to this one little part myself. God says, okay. I want all of you, or I don't want any of you. Some of you have been struggling with letting go of that corner, and you wonder why God hasn't moved yet. Let go. So I have a padded cover on it. Happens a lot. Let go. And see what God does. You've messed it up enough on your own. How bad is God going to mess it up? He's not. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you love us. You care about us, Father. God, you're so good to us. And right now, Father, I know that there are people in this room that are hurting. They're lost. They're broken. And maybe they came in here this morning, God, and they felt like they were at the end of their rope and they didn't know what to do. That's a perfect place for you, God. They're in the right place at the right time because you are here to bring freedom. You're here today, God, to bring victory. You're here today, God, to give us everything we need if we will just let go. God, I couldn't fix what's going on in my life. I could only let you fix it. God, we can't fix what's wrong, but you can. Father, pray for every person in this room that's struggling in their home, at work, in their, in their personal life, God. That they will understand that all they have to do is let you be in control. You've been standing on the sideline waiting, waiting for them to call for you. Thanks, God. Thanks for your strength, for your mercy, for your glory. Thank you, God. If you're here this morning and you're struggling, right now, give it to God. Don't wait till later. Don't say, well, I'm going to pray about it. No, do it now. God, here it is. Here I am. You, 100%. And maybe you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. That's the first thing you need. And I got news for you. He's here for that too. And it's so easy. We make it so, seem so hard, but it's not. Lord, forgive me. I want to follow you. You can do that. Most of you, though, you've been here a long time. You've been following God for a while. Take that next step. Lay it all down, and let's move forward. Will you go to him right now? Just right now, while everybody's, everybody's eyes, heads are around, their eyes are closed. Just go to God right now. Say, okay, God, you and me, God. I've got to let you have this. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of, tired of working it out on my own and having it not work. God, help me. Help me, God. Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for the things you've done in us, God. Lord, I thank you for the suffering in my life because it's made me who I am. 
It's shaping me. It's making me better. Thank you, God. Father, I thank you for the suffering that we're all going through. Because you love us, you let us go through these times, but you don't leave us alone. Thanks, God. Thank you for that, God. Thank you, Jesus. Make us strong, God. Strong in you. We ask it in your name. Everybody say it. Amen. Stand with me, if you would. We're going to worship one more time. Some of you are at a crossroads right now. You came in hurting. You don't have to leave that way. You can walk out, not saying everything's fixed, but you can walk out of here knowing that God's in control of it, and then it's going to be okay. Right? I love you guys. God bless you. You've been listening to a presentation of Remnant. For more information, visit us online at remnantchurchiv.com. You built a mighty fortress.